Well, Death Touch Radio, my name is Zach Zaylor. Over on the other end of the podcast is Scott Fetzko, and we are going to be talking eh, weekly, maybe every other week, and giving you the ins and outs of the world of UFC. And Scott, there is a lot going on right now, isn't there? There is. We were on the, uh, what they call the uh, International Fight Week. So, you know, two UFC cards in one week. A lot of things being announced early this week and a lot of craziness going on leading up to the fight. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how things shape up uh, this Friday as well as this Saturday when you have the big pay-per-view UFC 226. Oh, yeah. Current events, recap 225, preview of 226. We have a big uh, Max Holloway fight canceled that happened. And like you said, every year the July UFC fight card concludes International Fight Week and it aimed to be the biggest, isn't that right? Yeah, we had two title fights. Um, you got, like you mentioned, Max Holloway, who unfortunately had his fight canceled. We'll probably get into that a little bit more. But two title fights kind of, ha- you know, heading the main event, the co-main event of uh, this card. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, Max Holloway is gonna be fa- was going to be facing off with uh, – let me bring this up because I just missed it. Hold on. Sorry about this. No, you're good. Yeah, I was going to be facing off with Brian Ortega, the undefeated prospect and number one – or not prospect, the number one contender in the weight class. Uh, so this is the second time we've seen this with Max Holloway this year. So it's kind of a bummer to see it happen. But uh, from what we're seeing, he had a concussion, and there's nothing to be nothing to be played with when those things come around. Uh, the second title fight being a super fight, we've got the heavyweight champion Stipe Miocic versus the light heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier. So – Two champions colliding, probably one of the best super fights we've seen since, uh, you know, Conor versus Eddie Alvarez back in uh, UFC 205. Yeah, so before we get into 226, though, we have some current events that we need to come up with. And I think the most important one, besides the Holloway fight getting canceled, is Golden Boy coming in with a promotion for the UFC. Something about that. Yeah, so what we what we had announced on Monday, and it's been talked about. Um, he he announced he was coming out of retirement a few weeks ago, uh, calling out Tito Ortiz, calling out John Jones, and that's Chuck Liddell, the Iceman, everyone's favorite uh, MMA fighter, everyone's favorite Mohawk from the early two thousands. But what we're seeing is a is a matchup between two former rivals and former friends, being Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell. There's one problem with this fight that I have, and it's that both of them, more importantly, Chuck Liddell, are old. I mean, Chuck Liddell's 48. Tito Ortiz fought about a year ago. He's 43. He looks to still be in pretty good shape. I mean, they're both probably still active. They're both working out. They both could definitely still kick my ass. But the thing is, is, you know, when you get up there in age and you started to see, especially with Chuck Liddell towards the end of his career, a lot of knockouts. Um, You kind of wonder where his chin's at. And uh, you just you don't want to see old guys beating up on each other. So I think that's kind of why Dana White and the UFC um, shied away from this promotion. Even Bellator, who was uh, Tito's last promotion, um, didn't from at least I mean, they haven't come out and said that they didn't they didn't want anything to do with it. But neither of them really kind of reached out and wanted to be a part of this fight. Um, I think this is either Golden Boy Promotions wanting to just make some money because they know this will sell in hell. I mean, I'm probably going to watch it. I don't know how much I'm going to have to pay for it, but I definitely going to want to watch it. Um, and maybe they just want to kind of step into the MMA scene. Um, Oscar De La Hoya kind of dipped his toes in, in MMA whenever he did Affliction uh, back in, two, in the 2000s with, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. President Donald Trump as well. as I think he was kind of working with Russia there because they had uh, Fedor Emelianenko working with them. But um, it's a big, big, big question mark when it comes to, you know, how, how old can these fighters be and still continue to fight? Because, like I said, I mean, Chuck Liddell being 48 – it's going to be one of the older MMA fighters that you'll see fighting, especially, you know, given his his reputation and, and kind of how his career had, had come to an end when it came to those knockouts. I mean, I'm looking at his at his last, you know, four fights. He was one and three and, they, and the last three all came via, via knockout. You, you just you don't want to see him go back in there at that age and have it happen again. Yeah, and I'm looking back through some stuff right now. And Joe Rogan actually said earlier today that Tito Ortiz told him that he wants the fight for the fight itself and not the money that they're going to make. Uh, they fought twice in their career, so this is going to uh, be the third fight. And it's going to be almost 14 years after they 
have fought the last time. And Chuck Liddell is actually 2-0 and against Tito Ortiz, and both time was KO slash TKO in uh, just the second or third round. So you wonder if maybe Ortiz just wants to get a little bit of redemption on his old body, right? Yeah, I heard an interview with him earlier this week. It was actually when he announced the fight. And it's definitely a redemption thing. I'm not really sure if either of these guys are in are in need of money. I mean, you see Tito Ortiz is involved. I think he's a pretty smart guy. He's involved in a lot of different um, businesses still. I'm sure Chuck Liddell has at least invested his money, you know, wisely that he hasn't fought in this long. He's still doing pretty well as well. So you see him doing a lot of TV stuff. I think he was just in Big Brother last year. So, I mean, they're definitely still active. They're definitely still making money. I don't know if it's just the itch to fight. Um, again, with Tito Ortiz, like you said, I think it's a redemption thing. I mean, you lose twice. Uh, you know, why would you not want a, another shot at it? Yeah, and I mean, even earlier this year, when there was rumblings going on about the fight, Dana White shot it down, and and he said, why would 50-year-olds be in the ring? Like, why do they want to fight each other? So, I mean, it's definitely an, an intrigue thing, and with the promoters of Canelo Alvarez being involved, you got to think there's going to be a huge pot whether they when they end up doing the fight itself. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the, 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 the way the payout works with this is going to be a lot different, maybe a little more on the boxing side with a boxing promoter being involved. I mean, if you're familiar with, with MMA, if you're familiar with the UFC, you don't see fighters making the money that you see boxers making. Um, a lot of times, whenever like you watch a boxing card, it's you know it's all centered around the main event, and there's really not a lot that goes on with the, with the undercards and the fights below that because the, the main event guys are the ones selling the fights, and they're the ones who make the most money. I mean – so I'm sure that there'll be other fights within this card, but I'm guessing that it's going to, you know, be completely focused around the the third fight between Ortiz and um, Ortiz and Liddell. So, we'll, you know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I think the price point is going to be the number one thing and how well it does. I don't think you can expect people to go out and pay, you know, $70 like you would for most UFC cards for it. Um, I also kind of under the impression that the pay-per-view model is, is not as great as it used to be. I mean, kids our age, you know, we know how to find these fights for free. And a lot of times people will want to do that rather than spending $70 on a fight. So it'll be interesting to see how they promote it. Um, but it's definitely even more interesting to see a boxing promotion like Golden Boy, you know, jump this hard into MMA with, with uh, two of the most notable names in, uh, in probably MMA history. And to your point of Dana White saying that, he, you know, he didn't want to, he didn't really want to touch this. You got to think this is a guy who is former friends with Tito Ortiz, former friends with Chuck Liddell, especially. I mean, Chuck Liddell was an employee of the UFC up until the, the, uh, the major buyout. Um, and I'm guessing that, you know, he just doesn't want to see people who he considered friends or former friends or anything like that, you know, duking it out and maybe getting knocked out like that, especially at their age. And I, and I think another point to it is too, is that, you know, the UFC has tried to be this this buttoned up, you know, with, with USADA, with the uniforms, with the Reebok deal and all that. They're trying to be very buttoned up. I don't think they want to do any two or at least too many fights that are gimmicky. I think doing a fight with, with CM Punk and doing the fights with CM Punk, they learn from that. Not that a fight with Chuck Liddell or Chuck Liddell is anything like CM Punk. It's just at their age. I mean, he's been retired for a long time. And, and to see him come back like this, I mean, it's been eight years since his last fight. And to see him come back at his age, it's, it's tough. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch it. So <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, right. And, and to, to your last point, we're still going to be, you know, months away from this fight since it was just announced officially earlier this week. It'll be at least a couple of months before we see it anyway. Yeah, there's no, there's no confirmed date, um, but they have said they want to make it happen this year. So that I, I would assume if, if it's going to be this year, it's probably going to be, you know, November, December time, because they're def they're going to want to promote this, especially with, with it being the first, the first MMA promotion by golden boy. I'm sure they're going to want to take some time, do, do a tour of it. And then uh, really, really get some, get some power behind it before, before they announce a date. Right. So, and you want to give them as much time as possible to be able to get back into shape, because even if you are a professional athlete, when you get into your high forties, it's going to take a little bit of time to get back into shape to want to fight. And like we talked about a little bit ago, you don't want to throw them in the ring and kind of feed them to themselves and just have them beating the crap out of each other. No, we don't want to see a Dada 5000 Kimbo Slice fight again where someone almost dies from exhaustion. Uh, these guys, I'm sure they're both still in very good shape, but like you mentioned, I mean, they're, they're not in their athletic primes anymore. So uh, I think it'll be a true test to see, you know, wh how good a shape a 48-year-old can be in for Chuck Liddell. But, you know, as a fighter, I know he's talked about that he still works out, so I'm sure he, he stayed active, but – fight shape's different as well. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm also interested. I'm, I'm sure that it'll come out soon, but to see how many rounds this goes, uh, just not even just the, the fight in general, but how, what they sanction as a three round fight will it be a five round, like championship level fight. That'll be interesting as well. I'll, I'll be 
that, that that'll be probably the truest test. See those two go into five rounds. That that's a that's a true testament of, of their cardiovascular shape for sure. Oh yeah, and just just the excitement of those two fighting. It'll be something that we will have to keep an eye on as the year goes by. But another current event that we have in UFC today happened late yesterday. Uh, Max Holloway is going to have to drop out of his title fight in UFC 226. Can you tell me what you know about that at this moment, Scott? So, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot that's been reported. It's officially canceled. Um, Ariel Hawani actually posted a, uh, like a, like a screenshot of notes. He had a sit down meeting with Max Holloway's team stating that he is exhibiting concussion like symptoms towards the end of last year or at last week. Um, they tried to kind of fight through it, make his way. He actually was in the ER on Monday. Uh, they admitted him overnight, did some scans, looked like everything was okay. But then Tuesday afternoon, these symptoms were still continuing. Uh, I guess from what they're telling him, he's back in the ER. Uh, so you hate to see this fight go. Um, you, we've got a really exciting fight, probably one of the most exciting fights in the featherweight division since uh, Jose Aldo versus Conor McGregor. And um, it's just a shame, shame to see it happen, especially twice this year so far for Max Holloway. Uh, he had a fight with Frankie Edgar earlier back in March that didn't uh, come to fruition, and that's actually when – uh, Brian Ortega had stepped in and actually was the first to knock out Frankie Edgar. Uh, but you know, I was waiting for this fight. They build it up for a while and then you see this happen. And you hate to see it. It's happened. It happens a lot too. It's a shame, but an individual sport like MMA, um, these things happen. Yeah. And to your, to your point, he had to pull out of UFC 222 and 223 due to injuries. 222 was because of an injured ankle and 223 was medically unfit due to trouble cutting weight so hopefully Holloway can get back into it because he is truly an exciting fighter and you hate to see this kind of thing happen to a guy of his quality right I actually you're thanks for for correcting me there I completely forgot he he was scheduled to fight if you remember uh whenever they had the um Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Tony Ferguson fight for the lightweight championship Tony Ferguson injured himself that Sunday Max stepped in that Sunday night um not really I don't think at least in true fight shape at the time coming off an injury and he was trying to get down to that 155 pound max is a huge featherweight so getting down to that 155 i think he had some trouble with the weight cut he's also in new york very very funny uh situation with new york it seems like in their athletic commission and how they handle weight cutting um so they pulled him out and then you know all the chaos ensues of you know conor mcgregor throwing the dollar through the window Michael Chiesa getting a cut on his face, people left and right having to pull out of that card. So, you know, obviously we don't have that on our hands, and I'm, I'm glad that we don't have as many fights being pulled out, but it does does really stink to see uh, this, this fight get canceled because I was looking forward to it. Yeah, and uh, two more things about the Holloway fight. Actually, McGregor just uh, gave Holloway his condolences on Twitter about an hour ago. He tweeted out to... Holloway, he said, my thoughts and my respect are with 145-pound world champion Max Holloway. So McGregor is in Holloway's side right now, and I know those two have a history, so him offering his respects probably makes Holloway feel a little bit better. And on the other side of the Holloway fight, they actually offered Holloway's spot to Jeremy Stevens last minute, but Ortega declined the proposed matchup, and he's going to wait to rebook his official title weight with Holloway. So... Just to get your thoughts, Scott, what would you have thought of an Ortega-Jeremy Stevens interim fight? Would have been exciting. Uh, Jeremy Stevens is a very exciting fighter. He, he's, had, he's delivered some vicious knockouts just this year, and, let alone in his career. And, um, you know, to see that fight would have been exciting. I would have liked to see it. But the thing is, I understand why, you know, why Brian Ortega doesn't want to take it. He's got the, chance, he's got the title fight. He's paid his dues. He's, you know, he submitted uh, or he knocked out Frankie Edgar, uh, submitted Cub Swanson. I mean, he, he's done everything he needs to do this, this year to get this fight. Uh, so I don't, I don't really, uh, really blame him for not wanting to take it. Would have been a good fight to see regardless. But, um, you know, when you're right on the cusp of the title fight, uh, you don't want to back down. And they're going to reschedule this fight. There's no doubt that, that this fight's going to happen. I mean, Brian T. City Ortega is, a, is an undefeated, you know, number one in the world right after Max Holloway. They're going to make this fight happen. Uh, we just got to find a time when Max Holloway is going to be healthy. So hopefully this, these concussions, concussion symptoms don't linger too long. Yeah, that's exactly what you hope for. And I think that'll about do it for current events right now. So before we preview 226, I want to go ahead and get your thoughts real quick on a recap of 225. Could you go ahead and run through 225 for me? Yeah, we'll go ahead and start from the main event of the preliminary card. You had Curtis Blades versus Alistair Overeem. Uh, last fight we saw Alistair Overeem in was the uh, knockout from 
uh, France Ngannou, where it sent him into orbit. I mean, that was probably one of the most vicious knockouts of the year. Um, Curtis Blades, up-and-coming prospect, been on a roll since actually he last fought Francis Ngannou, so it's kind of funny to see those two uh, with a history like that with Francis Ngannou. But Curtis Blades has been on a roll. Um, he is a young prospect with a wrestling background, so his ground and pound is something to be seen. Um, would love to see him, if he doesn't get a championship fight soon, get with a, get against like another really strong wrestler, maybe a, maybe a, a Volk, Volkov, the uh, the Russian prospect who's also undefeated. Well, not prospect. I mean, he's he's a top top ranked guy. But to see those two fight would be good just from the wrestling background. But yeah, another vicious knockout coming from uh, coming from Curtis Blades. He, he did a really good job of uh, avoiding the stand up with Alistair, taking him to the ground and then getting those those knockout elbows. So good to see that. Uh, similar. Uh, you know, at least a similar decision to go and, and take him to the ground like he did with Mark Hunt. I mean, he's battled two uh, knockout artists in Mark Hunt and Alistair Overeem, and I think he's played it safe. Some people don't don't like that as much, but, um, you know, I, I think the styles make the matchup, and uh, when you have that type of advantage, uh, you got to take it. So that that, that was the, at least the highlight of the preliminary card. Uh, we, we step into the main card, and the first fight we get is uh, Mike Jackson versus CM Punk, and, uh, you know, I touched on this earlier. I mean, th- this – this the whole CM Punk exper- experiment with the UFC. I, I get it. I understand why they did it. Um, he, you know, he's a name in in, in, in professional wrestling. Um, he wanted to do mixed martial arts, but um, guys of his a- athleticism and uh, you know, I'm not not to say a ton on my part, but you know, this guy isn't doesn't have an athletic background. He didn't wrestle in college. He didn't wrestle at least as far as I know, even in high school. Um, so I understand wanting to get into, into mixed martial arts and, and that's fine if you'd like to do that, but to, to, to step into the world-class, you know, the, the, the cream of the crop, the UFC, uh, not, not the best idea. I mean, you, a lot of people, they need to make their way through some regional circuits, some amateur fights, things like that before they can even, you know, sniff the UFC and, and CM Punk, obviously, you know, being a part of, uh, pay-per-view cards and, and it was all for namesake. And he, you know, he went against Mike Jackson, another guy who doesn't, doesn't really have a strong background in MMA. He has some amateur fights. I think he had some kickboxing fights as well. And, uh, it kind of showed, I mean, where this guy, this guy really shouldn't even be in the UFC as well. He doesn't really have a strong background, but because he has that background in, in, mar- in martial arts or mixed martial arts, uh, he was able to handle CM Punk. It went all three rounds. It went to, it was a unanimous decision. I mean, he, he 10, eight round, him, he 10, eight him in almost every round. And, uh, as to be expected. I mean, I don't think we see either of these guys fighting in the UFC again. Uh, and it's not, not, not a bad thing for that to happen as well. So, uh, thanks CM Punk, but, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing you back in the WWE. Uh, they need you. <laughs> so <laughs> next, the, the next fight we get into is, is, a, is another heavyweight fight. And we've got Ty Tuivasa versus Andre Orlovsky. So Orlovsky's kind of slowly becoming this guy who's almost like a gatekeeper and you hate to see it. I mean, he's a former world champion, but uh, with age, and we, you know, we, we talked a lot about age earlier. Um, I'll bring up his age real quick. I'm pretty sure he's pushing 41, and he's 39, so he's pushing 40. Sorry about that. But uh, he, he's, he's just kind of – he's facing a lot of these young guys, and, and it's crazy to see it happen because he goes against these young guys, and they think, oh, we're going we're gonna to prop this guy up. We're going we're gonna to build it off of someone's name. Well, he's doing a pretty good job of, of, of stopping that. He is, it was actually in one of his last two fights with Junior Albini, and Stefan Struve, two young guys, um, Junior Albini, especially more of an up-and-comer with his diaper, and then Stefan Struve, you know, the, the big kickboxer, but took both of them out. Now, Tai Tuivasa is a little different. Uh, tai Tuivasa is probably one of the more exciting young heavyweights along with um, Curtis Blades. He's from Hawaii, or he's from Australia, sorry, and he is a the king of the shoey. If anyone isn't familiar with that, that's when he pours a beer into a shoe and drinks it, and he's done it after his there's past at least three wins in the UFC. So right now he's undefeated. He's looking really good. I'd like to see him maybe get a little higher level competition, maybe see if he can get somebody in the top five. We'll see if that works. But uh, still a, a convincing win uh, for Tai Tuivasa. Again, we all, these all went to decisions in the main card, so it wasn't as exciting as I thought it might be, but still really good fights. After that, we had the long-awaited match of seeing Holly Holm versus Megan Anderson or Megan Anderson. Uh, Megan Anderson is another Australian fighter who was coming over from uh, Invicta. She had the very long layoff. They had they tried to schedule this fight with her and Cyborg, I believe, at least a year ago. Um, after you know Holly Holm had had that loss, especially convincing loss to Chris Cyborg, um, they needed to find some sort of matchup to build up this women's featherweight division. They keep bringing in women. 
uh, for Chris Cyborg to fight, and she keeps beating them, as to be expected. So it would, it would have been interesting to see Megan Anderson get the win just to get a different, fresh face against Cyborg, but Holly Holm gets another win. Uh, but she announced even after that that she wants her Bantamweight belt back. If you'll remember, she won that belt against Ronda Rousey and um, then lost it after to uh, Misha Tate. So I'll be interested to see how the UFC handles Holly Holm from here. I don't think they're going to send her right back up to Chris Cyborg. Um, maybe get her at least one Bantamweight fight and then maybe see her and get a Bantamweight title shot. She's, she's been facing top-level competition, and unfortunately it's, it's affected her, her schedule moving – or not her schedule, but her record moving up and down. I mean, if you look at her past couple fights – uh, obviously, the win over Megan Anderson and the loss to Chris Cyborg, but a very convincing knockout by head kick and punch to uh, Beth Cohea. And then prior to that, losing the very controversial loss to Jermaine Duran to me, getting absolutely just handled in the fight against Valentina Shimcheko. And then again, losing that title to Misha Tate, unfortunately. So in the past six fights, she is two and four. Um, would like to see her maybe fight somebody in the bandweight division before getting that title shot. But uh, who knows? I mean, she's a big name. UFC likes to promote these big names. We are in the entertainment era, era, so wouldn't be don't be surprised if you see her fighting for that title again. So, hopping up one more fight. Uh, this is one that I think a lot of people should be excited about, or should have been excited about, and are going to continue to be excited about this guy, Colby Covington. Colby Covington versus Rafael de, Rafael de Sanos. Um, Colby Covington is an interesting fighter right now. He has basically made his way up the ranks of the division, not only with convincing wins like Damian Maya, but kind of talking his way through it. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, he is one of the more, I guess you could say entertaining fighters right now when it comes to how he shit talks. He's calling out just about everyone on social media. Uh, he's calling everyone who doesn't like him nerds and virgins. Uh, he says he's on the nerd bash tour 2018 and that he's going to make the welterweight division great again. He's been calling out Tyron Woodley uh, since his win against Damian Maya. And um, it'll be very, very interesting to see the buildup between him and um, Tyron Woodley because they are not only, you know, two guys who like to talk, but they're former teammates. Um, I believe Tyron Woodley brought in Colby Covington for his fight against, I want to say, Rory McDonald, I believe, and used him to help with wrestling. Uh, they're both ATT guys, American Top Team. So they've been – they've. Colby Covington's been going at him for months now, and now that he has the interim title after defeating Rafael Dos Anjos, um, it's going to be for sure those two next. And I, I've heard that they're aiming for the fall, maybe the fight in Madison Square Garden. I believe that's in November. So very, very, very fun matchup coming, especially if you want to follow these two on Instagram because there's a lot of shit talk, and, and, uh, and, I, and I like that. It builds up the fight. So Colby Covington, a lot of people love him and hate him. He talks a lot about other people. Um, but he's really just taking, you know, the, the heel playbook right out from the WWE. I mean, he's gone page by page and for people to get this upset and not really realize what he's doing, it's almost funny as well. But Colby Covington brought relentless pressure in that fight. Uh, I mean, it was a unanimous decision. He, he had some, he had great rounds. I would say he won all three and, uh, very, very, very fun fight coming our way when it comes to him and Tyron Woodley, because Tyron Woodley is another fighter who'll bring the pressure and to see those two go at each other will be fun. So uh, Colby Covington, your new interim champion of the welterweight division. And then on to the main event. So we had Robert Whitaker versus Yael Romero. And uh, per usual, as of recently in the UFC, you've seen a lot of main event weight or, you know, missed weight. And I think the fight before this was the Darren Till fight. He also missed weight by a considerable amount. Um, and it, it's, it's becoming a problem. So it'll be interesting to see how the US, UFC goes about maybe fixing this. I think the best way to go about it is maybe follow – the uh, follow in the footsteps, maybe one FC um, you see them doing hydration testing, which just seemed to kind of eliminate the issues of weight cut. And uh, I think that's something that they, they might want to consider uh, just because to see these main events have these issues. I mean, yo Romero only coming up over 0.2 uh, of a pound to not make weight, but still not making weight. And if you're not making championship weight, you can't win the title. The fight was still on. Uh, I think Robert Whitaker just took a split of the purse as, as normal when missing weight. Um, this was a good fight. Uh, these two have already fought once before, uh, Robert Whitaker winning that fight. So this is the second match. Um, another one that went to the decision, it was actually a split though. And a lot of people, um, are saying that they saw some of the, some of the rounds a different way. Um, the only thing I can really see argument wise to say that, it, you know, it wouldn't have gone Robert Whitaker's way is maybe a, a draw with, with Yoel Romero getting a 10, eight in the final round. Other than that, um, I don't see Yoel Romero winning the fight. Um, but I definitely can, can, can 
can agree to an argument of at least a draw. Robert Whitaker is a very good champion right now. I mean, he's fought some of the best of them in the middleweight division. Uh, I'd like to see him maybe get a matchup with Chris Weidman next or Kevin Gaslam. I know those two are battling for that one, um, but we'll we'll see who gets it. I mean, if if I had to pick, I like Chris Weidman a lot. I'd like to see him get it first. He did just beat Kevin Gaslam in his last fight. As long as he's healthy, uh, I'd say he's the best matchup for him now. Kevin Gaslam's still good. I mean, even if he waited till that fight, I think his stock stays there. Um, I don't really see any reason for Robert Whitaker to take on Yoel Romero for a third fight after beating him twice. Um, so, and he did. He did just beat Jacare Souza before winning the title as well. So I'm going to go ahead and say the, the, the best fight for him right now would be Weidman. Uh, I'd like to see Weidman get another shot at the title. And uh, I don't see Luke Rockhold ever coming back down to middleweight. I think he's officially moving into light heavyweight um, now that uh, DC is, you know, nearing the end of his career and moving into the heavyweight division. So uh, good overall card. Um, definitely want to see more of these. The, these double championship fights are always fun to watch. Uh, even if it is an interim, hopefully next time around, we have the Curtis Blades, Alistair Overing fight actually on the pay-per-view rather than the Mike Jackson, CM Punk, because those guys have put in their time and they deserve to be on pay-per-view. Oh yeah. I mean, that was a, that was a great recap of 225 there, Scott. And before we get into the preview of 226, um, I don't know if you have them pulled up right now, but I'd like to talk about the, uh, the rankings were just released on Sunday. If you don't have them pulled up. I will read them. So starting at 15, we have Khabib is up there at 15 right now at 26 and oh, he has 79 points from the official release of the MMA rankings scale at 14 is Tony Ferguson at 13 is Eddie Alvarez and Scott at any point you want to talk about any of these guys individually, you can just cut me off. Okay. Um, 12 is Marlon Moraes. 11, you were just talking about him, Colby Covington. 10, following it up, is George St. Pierre. 9 is Brian Ortega, who unfortunately we're not going to be able to watch fight this weekend. 8 is Robert Whitaker, who you just talked about again. Mm-hmm. 7 is Tyrone Woodley, sitting there at 18-3-1. 6 is TJ Dillashaw. 5 is John Jones. Four is Daniel Cormier, who, of course, we're going to be seeing this weekend. Three is Stipe Miotic. Two, Max Holloway, who we talked about earlier, had to drop out of his fight for concussion-like symptoms. And at number one, at 27-2-1, and one, it with 381 points, is Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, no, you gotta, I mean, the, the, we're talking a pound for pound here, and, and, and I, I, I pretty much tend to agree with all of them. Um, Demetrius Johnson is head and shoulders the guy in, in the pound for pound rankings. He's the head and shoulders guy in the flyweight division. They just announced him fighting Henry Cejudo. I believe that is going to be in September. And, uh, you know, this, this is the second time they fought. Um, I, I, I don't really know if I'm, if I'm super interested in this matchup. Uh, they kind of sold me on DJ, TJ versus DJ. And, uh, unfortunately that's not happening. They've already, you know, announced that Demetrius will fight Henry Cejudo and TJ is going to fight Cody Garbrandt again for the second time. Both good matchups. Both I'm interested in seeing, uh, but it would really, again, these super fights are fun to make, um, especially when you've got these guys who are this close in weight and guys who, you know, want to fight each other. I mean, if TJ Dillashaw has the ability to make flyweight and, uh, you know, he's definitely earned his keep in the bantamweight division, he may as well see if he can go down and maybe fight a Demetrius Johnson, especially if he's able to make that weight. And I believe he was trying to make that weight and was able to make that weight and then they never announced the fight. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, I just I can't really see Demetrius Johnson fighting anyone else in that division. I mean, he hasn't fought Sergio Pettis. I'd like to see that, but Sergio Pettis is young. Uh, he did just beat Joseph Benavidez. Maybe that is the next fight for him. But you know, if the problem with these little these little the little guys, the smaller weight classes, is they don't always sell the best. And um, if we can, if they can make a super fight like this happen, I think in this, it, it, it would just, it, they could headline a pay-per-view. People are going to want to buy that. Uh, it's always easier to sell um, champion versus champion. Um, number two was Max Holloway. Like you said, it, it stinks to see this happen, but he will be back. Um, and I do really want to see that Brian Ortega fight. You said three was Stipe, correct? Yes. Yeah, we're going to see Stipe fight for being DC. You know, I, I would disagree on a certain level. I'd like to maybe see DC a little higher. He is he, – he, there's nothing really left for him to do in the light heavyweight division when it really comes down to it. He, he's fought everyone. So, so him moving into the heavyweight division, especially considering he never lost in the heavyweight division when he was there, it, it's due. Um, he the, – there's one person who – 
who DC ha- or who DC needs to maybe fight again. There's one person who he he hasn't found a way around, and that's that's John Jones. Um, now, obviously, John Jones's career right now is, is in a little bit of a limbo. We'll see what happens uh, with this these failed drug tests. But you know, DC's he's he's seen them all and he's fought them all, and they, especially in the light heavyweight division. So him moving into into heavyweight and fighting, especially with his career coming to an end, which he he's even said he doesn't really want to fight past forty. Um, that that's fine by me. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't see a reason if, if, if Kane isn't fighting his, his teammate in the heavyweight division, who's part of the reason why he's been in the light heavyweight division for so long, if Kane Velasquez isn't fighting, um, I'd like to see him get a couple fights. And I mean, let's get this first one out of the way against Stipe. But, uh, if he wanted to maybe step in and get a super fight with a, with a Brock Lesnar, maybe I'd be okay with that. If he wanted to fight, you know, John Jones, if he comes back in the heavyweight division, I would be okay with that. Those are all fun fights. He should try to make as much money as he can before he retires. Um, he, he's, he's already up there in, in a greatest of all time discussion. He doesn't really need to prove much else, especially being one of the greatest in the light heavyweight division. So um, definitely, definitely not a bad ranking for the pound for pound. Um, I, I tend to agree with most of them, but I'd like to see maybe uh, Stipe in, in, uh, you know, actually, I'll I'll, st- I'll change that. I'd like to see DC at number two. I mean, I I just think he's he's done everything he needs to do. Uh, Max Holloway is great. Max Holloway is on a winning streak in the featherweight division. That is, all, you know, he's in a league of his own. He's, he has he has the the most consecutive wins uh, in the light light or featherweight division, and he beat Jose Aldo twice. Who, um, you know, a year ago, everyone would have told you was the greatest featherweight of all time. So, uh, Max Holloway is definitely in there. Um, Definitely one of those guys who can who can be up for discussion as maybe the greatest featherweight ever. Would love to see him and Connor fight again, though. Back to your point, just want to touch on this while we're talking about him one last time. I know you mentioned uh, he said his thoughts and respect are with the 145-pound world champion. I think that might be the first time Connor McGregor has admitted to no longer being the 145 world champion, and that is interesting because uh, if you'll remember, they stripped him of his featherweight title after he um, after he won the 155 because there wasn't really you know, anything didn't look like he was going to fight again at 145 for a while. And it had been about a year. So um, to let him maybe step away and, and, and focus on maybe his family, focus on this boxing match, uh, stri- stripping him and then having, you know, Jose Aldo and those guys duke it out for that, for that title. He never was really okay with admitting that. And uh, at least you never really saw him say that. And to see him say that, that that's interesting. So I'd like to see those two fight again. They had a great fight when they first fought and um you know, those two can sell a fight for sure. They, they both are, are great fighters, great characters. And I mean, and Conor McGregor could fight a broom and it's going to sell, but um, bring in a good fighter like Max Holloway. I like that. I agree. I agree very much. Uh, that's been the rankings portion of the inaugural episode of Death Touch Radio, because for those of you out there that are listening right now, if you know Scott, you know that Scott is a huge fan of the movie Bloodsport. So, of course, whenever we were coming up for a title, we had to do something with Bloodsport. Isn't that right, Scott? We had to. The Dim Mac, the Death Touch. So, I actually just watched that movie like three or four days ago, and that's when I thought of it. So. <laughs> yeah, you always got to stick with something that you, uh, you know, you know and you, and you like. So, just to, to have something interesting about the title. So, why is everyone here? Why are we doing this today? The preview of 226. So, Scott, I'm going to go ahead and give away the mic to you again. And you can go ahead and talk about the preview of 226 for as long as you want. And we're going to start with the Azukeo versus Font fight in the card. So you can go ahead and say as much as you want. Yeah. So, you know, what we've got here is, you know, probably one of the most consistent, underappreciated fighters, I would say, in the UFC and in Rafael Sunsau. Um, He is... If you're not named TJ Dillashaw, Cody Garbrandt, Dominic Cruz, in my opinion, probably the most one of the most you know dominant guys in this weight division. I mean, they bring him in, they put him against you know anyone and everyone in that weight class, and uh, he always comes out on top unless their name is TJ Dillashaw. I mean, that was the last person he lost to. If you look at his last, uh, let's see, um, his last ten fights, he is nine and one with one unanimous decision coming to TJ Dillashaw. Um, he, he's handled them all. He's been, I mean, people who have surged in this division, he continues to beat, um, and no one really talks about it. So, uh, I, I don't see a whole lot changing here against Rob Font. Um, still a good fighter, but, uh, this is the number three against the number 11. And I, I just, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't see Rafael Sunsau really, um, really slipping up here. I mean, he's consistent. 
He is good, and he continues to win. So I'm going to go ahead and say that that's going to be a good fight, but we'll probably see Sun Sal coming out on top just based off of um, just based off his past experiences. But then the, stepping into the middleweight division, again, this preliminary card has changed a little bit, but stepping into the middleweight division, you've got Paula Costa versus Uriah Hall. Uh, Uriah Hall being um, you know one of the better middleweights, very consistent in the middleweight division. And Paula Costa, not many people know about him because he doesn't fight a lot, but this guy's good. He's undefeated. Um, and then I think this is the perfect matchup for him to come off of after his last matchup of, of, a, of a Johnny Hendricks, who, who again, just retired last week, kind of on the outside at that point anyways. So it's, uh, it's good to see this fight happening. Um, this is a number nine versus number 10. They're perfectly matched. And uh, we'll, we'll be interested to see what happens. Uh, Uriah Hall in his last fight pulled out last minute on a um, weight cutting issue. And they said he almost died in this. So this was something pretty serious. Glad to see he's doing all right. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see this fight happen as well. Um, stepping into the main card. So uh, there's two fights that, I mean, you, you don't want to miss. There's two fights that, I, you know, I, I might be talking too soon on, but ones that are going to be exciting um, from start to finish. And the first one being the light heavyweight matchup of Gokhan Saki versus Khalil Groundtree. Uh, Roundtree, sorry. Um, Gokhan Saki being a world champion kickboxer coming over from glory. Uh, looked pretty good in his first fight in the UFC. So I'm uh, pretty, pretty excited to see what he can do maybe in, in a little little stronger competition with Khalil Roundtree, but still probably the perfect level for him to be at right now. Um, again, he got that one by a knockout against uh, Henrik De, Henrik De Silva. So we'll see how this one goes. Um, but this is one you're going to want to watch. Khalil, or sorry, Gohan Saki being a, a knockout artist. Uh, Khalil Roundtree, a very well-rounded fighter, somebody who you could probably expect to, to, to just as easily – uh, result in a knockout as well. So his his last uh, three fights in the UFC, he's had two knockouts. Um, uh, everyone remembers uh, the last one being something that was overturned after a loss. Um, just uh, someone testing for steroids. So we're gonna we're gonna definitely have a, a good matchup there. Um, in the light heavyweight, or sorry, in the lightweight division, we have Michael Chiesa versus Anthony Pettis. Uh, this is one of those fights that was scheduled for the Brooklyn card. Um, Michael Chiesa was a part of the shuttle bus that. Conor McGregor threw a dolly at and uh, he had a lot of cuts on him, was unable to fight. Um, he's very heated up about it. He's blaming Conor McGregor for missing his shot at possibly a title fight, especially after Max Holloway had pulled out uh, rankings wise, he would be right. And I would say he probably would have been the one who got it, but um, you know, Michael Chiesa, uh, I, I just, I, I think in a natural, natural lineup, he was not going to be the guy to get that um, title shot until he earned it. And uh, you know, Getting it by technicality, I guess, works. But um, I, I would like to see him get a couple more fights, especially after uh, having that loss to, to, to a Kevin Lee in his last fight. But fighting Anthony Pettis, the the former lightweight champion, um, it'll be interesting to see. An exciting fight, nonetheless. Um, but you know, this one's got a lot. This one's been a long time coming, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, if we step into the welterweight division, we will have Paul Felder versus Mike Perry. Now, Paul Felder stepped in last minute. Uh, Mike Perry was. Let's see who he was originally scheduled to fight here. Either way, he was he was originally scheduled to fight, um, stepped out, la pulled out last minute. Paul Felder stepped in to fight, um, so that'll be a good fight. Paul Felder is a lightweight, though. Interesting to see him just hopping up about 15 pounds, probably an easier weight cut for him. But uh, Mike Perry's an exciting fighter. He does have two losses, um, but I'm, I'm excited to see maybe him fight someone who's, who will stand up and duke it out with him. We'll see how that one goes. That was a last-minute entry as well, so that, that was one that was moved up from the I believe from the preliminary card, so uh, still two worthwhile fighters ready to be in the pay-per-view event. Now we're going to step into heavyweight. Now this is the second fight. This is the one that you don't want to miss, especially in the first round. We've got knockout artist Francis Ngannou, just coming off a loss to Stipe, and uh, and a Derek Lewis, probably the funniest, most entertaining fighter in the heavyweight division, at least if not in the full UFC. Um, these are two big two big boys who like to throw hands. These aren't guys who I, I think are their immediate result is like let's get let's get to the ground they're going to stand up and test each other um we got a three-round fight don't be surprised if late in the round you may see Derek lewis res resort to the wrestling he's a good wrestler um we saw that against travis brown and uh francis Ngannou against stipe did not appear to have much of a wrestling game um i'm sure he's worked on it i think he's even come out saying that he's worked on it but this isn't something that you just pick up in a few weeks in a few months 
Um, so we'll, 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 we'll see how this one goes. But this first round, these guys are going to throw, and this is going to be a fun fight to watch. So uh, don't miss the Derek Lewis Francis Ngannou fight. These guys are big, and these guys are strong, and they've got knockout power. Uh, and that takes us into our main event. So we've got Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier. Um, this is a super fight for all super fights. Um, you know, like I said earlier, DC, there's not much left for him to do in the light, light heavyweight division. And being at, that he is the former strike force grand prix champion, uh, the former strike force heavyweight champion, uh, and someone who's never lost in the heavyweight division. I mean, if you look at DC's record, we're talking about a guy who really has, is, is, is I mean, if, if there's a Superman fighter, uh, that it, it's it's Stipe that he has or it's, sorry it's DC he he has not lost to anyone except for John Jones that is his kryptonite um, he's fought everyone and anyone he's fought the best of them and he's beat the best of them and um, you know the, the the two the two blemishes unfortunately are the loss to the John, the John Jones and then again the no contest after UFC 214 when John Jones tested positive for steroids and um, this guy's done it, done it the right way. He deserves everything he's gotten. Um, and I, I'm, I'm glad to see him get this, this super fight, get this chance to be a, a, you know, a double weight world champion, something that only, you know, a few people have done and only one person has done while holding a, a title at the time. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but Stipe is on paper and, you know, even from the eye test, the greatest heavyweight champion we've seen as well. He's the only one to have three consecutive title defenses um, you know, prior to that, the, the most was two that was tied amongst a few people. Um, he's another one who in the heavyweight division, uh, he, he's, he's faced them all. There's not much left. There's a few young guys coming up who he could, who he could face. There's a Cain Velasquez, you know, waiting, trying to get healthy, who he could face, but he he's, he's really faced them all. So to give him a true challenge, like Daniel Cormier is definitely due. Um, this is a tough one. You've, we've really got two dominant champions here and that's why it's, it's, it's the best super fight I've probably seen. I mean, two guys who who there's there's just nothing left for them in their weight classes, and at least at this moment, and, and to to bring these two together, it's a clash of titans. I, I love to see it. I'm excited for it, and, and to be honest, I don't know who's going to win. It's tough, so we'll see. Well, you say you don't know who's going to win, but to wrap up our first inaugural episode, I need you to give me some predictions for the fights that you just talked about. You got to just decide here on the spot, man. You got to tell me who's going to win each fight. You can start with the font fight, but I need you to tell me who's going to win each fight. All right. So let's talk about the Ascent Sal font fight. We'll start from the beginning again. Um, I, I kind of gave it, gave away my prediction as I started it. I mean, a Sun Sal is consistent. A Sun Sal is really good. And a Sun Sal has not lost to anyone in a long time, not named TJ Dillashaw. And uh, I, I just – I don't see this happening with Rob Font. Um, so I'm going to have to go with the Sun Sal. I think this will be a decision victory. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the Sun Sal. So Paula Costa, Uriah Hall. Uh, let's let's really look at these two. I mean, this is one of the most evenly matched fights, like I said, that, that, that you're going to see on this, on this outside of the championship fight, in my opinion. I mean, these two are both good. They're long. They're big fighters. Uh, I really like Paula Costa right now with him being – uh, an undefeated champion the way he is. He's gotten all of his fights by finish. They're not undefeated champion, but all of his fights by finish, whether it's knockout or submission. Uh, again, he, you know, he's only really been in the UFC for a little bit when it comes to his, the amount of fights he's had. Um, so, you know, this is his best test in the middleweight division. Um, but, but I think, I think, you know, I think Paul Acosta is going to take this. Um, he, he's definitely an up-and-comer in that division. I, I think they're going to p- start putting a little more stock in him, especially with him being you know, a great Brazilian fighter like he is. So uh, just looking at it, I'm going to have to go with him. Uh, I, think he, I think he's going to win get this fight. I'm going to go Paul Acosta second-round knockout. Um, and we step into the main card. So, again, this is one of those fights with Gokan Saki versus Khalil Rauchi Jr., where – it, it, it's going to, I, I, if it isn't an exciting fight, I'm going to be disappointed. Uh, I just see these two, two battling, uh, especially on the feet. Um, and I'm going to have to go with Saki. I think Gokan Saki gets that first round knockout. Uh, I think he's, he, if he's going to, if he's going to fight somebody with a bigger name, like Khalil Roundtree Jr. Um, it's going to be a good test for him, but I think he's going to overcome it. I don't see Khalil trying to take it to the ground or it just, I, I think he's going to stick to what, what these guys were, were meant to do in that, in that stand up and fight it out. And I see, I see Saki walking away with a knockout. So I'm going to go, go Saki. I'm going to give him a first round knockout on this one. 
Oh. Yeah, I think he's got it. I think he's gonna. I, I really. I think. I think the kickboxing is gonna is gonna is gonna shine through. I mean, he he's not he's not the most experienced MMA fighter. I mean, he really only has two fights, but he's un, he you know he he's undefeated so far in the UFC, and he he's he's a knockout artist kickboxer. So I just I see that happening. Um, stepping in with Kiesa Anthony Pettis. Um, this again, this is one of those fights that's been a little bit of a long time coming. Uh, unfortunately, with Anthony Anthony Pettis, you know someone who, who has probably the greatest knockout in MMA history, the, the one with him running off the cage and, and the kick to the face, I believe. Uh, who was that against? I believe – let me see real quick. I, it's right on the tip of my tongue here. It was, uh, Benson Henderson, yep. Uh, yeah, Benson Henderson. And uh, he, he's just – he's been, on, unfortunately, on a little bit of it's, – it, it's almost like a slip in, in his career since his, his loss of the title to – Javier Dos Anjos, but you know he he's fought and he he fights all the best, so it's hard to really say that he he's losing anything. So I mean, if we really look, let's look at his his last couple fights. Lost to Dustin Poirier. This guy's a, that's a title contender right there. Went against Jim Miller. Uh, that's his return to the lightweight division. He had lost to Max Holloway for the interim featherweight champion. He really didn't have a, a much of a much of he shouldn't have really been in the in the in the featherweight division. He had a hard time you know even trying to get close to that weight. So I'm glad he's back to lightweight. Uh, win against Charles Oliveira, but then a loss to Edison Barbosa, a loss to Eddie Alvarez, a loss to Rafael Dos Anjos. These are all former champions, top contenders in this light heavyweight divi- light sorry lightweight division. Um, so I think I think Chiesa is right where he needs to be. Uh, I'd like to see him get back on track, but Michael Chiesa is still a good fighter. Um, if if this this fight, in my opinion, goes you know one of two ways, I think if it goes to the ground, I think we see Chiesa you know really taking over and, um, and and probably getting some sort of submission victory. I think if it stays to the feet, if, if, if Anthony Pettis' takedown defense is there, we see either a knockout by Pettis or possibly a decision Pettis' way. If I had to guess, if it was, if it was really, you know, gun to my head, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say Chiesa by submission. Uh, but I think it's going to wear on him. I think we're talking maybe a third round submission. So I'm going to go Chiesa third round submission. Uh, Paul Felder versus Mike Perry. Um, you know, again, late addition uh, with Paul Felder, a guy who isn't normally a welterweight, uh, still a pretty big fighter in the lightweight division. Um, Mike Perry brings the pressure. Mike Perry is a very he's a loose fighter out there. Uh, you see Paul Felder, a little more technical, a guy who, who tries to do everything right, especially on the feet and on the ground. Um, this one's tough, especially with a late addition, especially with somebody who's not typically, you know, a fighter in, in the in the welterweight division, but. Um, I think with two losses by Mike Perry in a row, I think he's hungry to get back to to victory. I think being on pay per view is gonna gonna show a lot for him, especially where he's at. Uh, I think Mike Perry gets a knockout. I think we're gonna go second round knockout, Mike Perry. Now Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis. This is the tough one to pick. <sighs> We've got two guys who want who are gonna want to fight, and they're gonna want to stand up and fight. And uh, I'm gonna have to say, this is tough. See, the thing is, if this fight doesn't go first round knockout, if one of these, if these guys don't throw as hard as they can in the first round, if there's not, or if, you know, Mike, or, you know, Francis Ngannou doesn't find that way to slip in that, that uppercut like he, like he's been able to do so much and get that knockout, you know, they're going to, these are two guys who you, you've seen get tired in the ring. Um, they, they just, they're, they don't, I don't think they're really cardio. I don't think they put in the road work like you might see some other fighters, but Derek Lewis has found ways to, to outlast damage and he's found ways to come through and still have enough energy to finish a knockout. If I don't see Francis Ngannou getting that knockout in the first round, I see Derek Lewis taking him to the ground later in the second and, and delivering that ground and pound. And that's where I think the fight goes. I, I think I'm going to go Derek Lewis second round uh, knockout, at least TKO. He'll take him to the ground. So, and the, the championship, the one that you're going to make me pick, it's Steep versus DC. <sighs> It's tough. So Steve Miocic has been doubted a lot in his career. And he has and – and Zach, if you could look up the lines on this fight for me real quick, that would be great. I want to I see where Stipe, Stipe is on the line. But, um, you know, he was, he, was, he, was, he was the underdog against Francis as the champion. There's been a lot of times where people said he wasn't going to win uh, when he was the champion. And, and he always finds a way to do it. Um, he, he's just he, – he, He's a grinder. He 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 can. He's a. He, I mean, he's a knockout artist as well. I mean, prior to that fight with Francis Ngannou, he was knocking everyone out left and right. But we've also got DC, and we've got a guy who who everyone he's fought, every bigger or you know bigger than him, whoever it might have been, 
he's down the way, and he's very well-rounded. We're talking about an Olympic-level wrestler. We're talking about a guy who can strike hands, legs, whatever. He's got it. And that is what makes this so tough to call. Before you go yeah. into your prediction, too, Scott, I got the lines up for you. Stipe is a minus 250, and Cormier is plus 210. Okay, so they've given, they're, given, they're going to give Stipe the favorite, which I think is the wise thing to do after he's been doubted so much because I, I couldn't believe he was the underdog against Francis, but everyone was scared of Francis. I mean, he was just knocking people out left and right. I think personally, I think giving the underdog status is going to push him even further because, like you keep saying, the only person he's lost to is John Jones, and he's done so much and accomplished so much in his career. When he sees the Vegas line is plus 210, I think that's going to make him go, whoa, how did I get to this point where I'm not favored in a championship fight? Right, and he pretty much always is unless John Jones is standing across the across the, the cage from him. So, you know, I mean – I want to pick Stipe. I, I really do. But for some reason, like, I, I have this gut feeling that DC is going to get the win. And part of it is probably because he hasn't lost anyone not named John Jones. And, and he, he's been, you know, he's been a heavyweight champion before. But, you know, he, he does everything right. And, and not that Stipe doesn't. But I, I just, if, I, if you had to make me pick, and which you are, I got to go DC. But I think it's going to go decision. I think we're going to see five rounds. I think we're going to see – uh, these guys testing each other a lot early because they're both smart fighters. And then I think after that, we will then see DC start to wear down. I think we'll see the superior wrestling start to show up. And then I think that's where when, when DC will, will get control of the fight, maybe in the third and fourth rounds and, and, and really wear out Stipe and, and get the win. Because a lot of times we don't see Stipe go in the distance in these, in these championship level fights. He really only has against Francis. Not that he can't. But uh, Daniel Cormier is no, you know, this isn't something new to him fighting in championship level fights. I mean, he he's 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 been here before. He's been here for a while, and um, I I see him wearing out Stipe and getting being you know the second uh, two weight world champion, uh, hold, you know, current holding both both of both belts after Conor McGregor. I just I think this is his time to to get that heavyweight championship and 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 to round it off. If he does get that win. Let's hope John Jones gets clear to this steroids thing because I'd love to see those two battle out for the third time in heavyweight. Oh, yeah. If they could get the, the trifecta going for their heavyweight fight, that would be absolutely amazing. But that'll wrap us up for Death Touch Radio, the inaugural episode. Scott, thank you very much for doing this. You know your stuff very well, and I'm glad to take a back seat for you and just kind of get this started here. Yeah, thanks for being a part of it. I had, I had a lot of fun. We're going to do this again. And uh, thanks for everyone for listening. Yeah, for everyone out there listening, Scott and I are going to try to do this. We'll be back next week with a recap of 226 and get you caught up on everything that's happened in the past week. And then our next episode will be right before 227. So this is the inaugural episode of Death Touch Radio. Thank you very much for listening.